You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, hello, welcome back. This is Theology for the Rest of Us, and I'm your host, Kenny Ortiz, coming at you from the beautiful metropolis of Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for listening. I am so incredibly grateful for all of our podcast listeners and downloaders. I know I say that quite frequently, um, but it's really because I mean it wholeheartedly. I am always so grateful for uh, for the audience that, that listens to this, people who email me regularly, people who tweet at me, people I get the chance to correspond with. They encourage me regularly. Um, it's just a really, really big deal that you would uh, allow uh, me and, and my interview guests and this podcast to, to have an influence in your life. So thank you so much for uh, being a part of the audience. So grateful. This is episode 178. And in just a moment, I'm going to bring you an interview that I had a chance to do with a man by the name of Ricky Jones. Uh, he actually has been on the podcast before, so he is back now uh, for another episode of the podcast. And I am super stoked. He's got a new book out that is really, really good. I actually just finished it uh, this morning and it is going to be really well worth talking about. So I'm excited to bring you this interview. Hey, before we get to the interview, one quick reminder to everyone about the importance of reviews. If you you are a regular listener, if you listen to any number of episodes and you feel like this has been a blessing to you, if you could do me a huge, huge favor, if you could go over and leave a review, it'd be a great way for you to be able to give back to the podcast. I would be so grateful for that. Uh, po- uh, podcast reviews are a big, big deal. Basically, the more good reviews we have, the more people will be able to reach. And so if you can head over to head on over to whatever podcast app or podcast directory you're familiar with, in particular, if you're an Apple user, and you're listening to this on iTunes or on the podcast app on your iPhone or iPad, head on over, leave a five-star rating, tell the world that you think this is the greatest theology podcast on the planet, and, uh, and let the world know you love it. That would be a big, big help. Thank you so much. All right, let's get to the topic at hand. In just a moment, I'm going to bring you an interview that I did with Ricky Jones. Ricky is a pastor uh, in Oklahoma and has been there for for many years. Before that, he uh, spent a a huge chunk of his life as a part of the RUF, Reform University Fellowship, that is a campus outreach uh, on on college campuses all across the United States. Uh, He actually was a previous podcast guest, as you heard me mention, back in episode 31, uh, we talked about why the doctrine of the Trinity matters, and it really has been one of the episodes I've gotten some of the greatest praise about. Uh, A lot of people have really talked about how that episode was, was really valuable. Uh, and so I want to highly encourage you, particularly for those of you who are new listeners, you know, right around the episode 50 to 60 mark, we had a, a huge influx of new listeners uh, come into the podcast. And so uh, I think uh, many of those listeners, many of you who are listening to this on a regular basis, maybe have not gone all the way back to some of the early episodes. I want to encourage you to do that and and certainly check out uh, the episode, the interview we did with uh, Ricky Jones. Uh, before that, I had a chance to actually interview Ricky on a previous podcast. I was a, a host on a podcast that was designed for pastors and church planters uh, called the Plant Better Podcast. Ricky was one of our uh, guests on that show. It's actually the show that, uh, you know, I, that's how I actually originally met Ricky. Then I had him on Theology with the rest of us. Um, and then we did an interview uh, for this episode, but the interview had a technical glitch. And so I couldn't go live with it for several weeks. I ended up uh, sending an email to Ricky and say, hey, man, really sorry. Uh, we had a technical glitch. Can we re-record that? And so he's a super busy dude, but was kind 
kind and gracious to me to take extra time out um, to to come and, and and invest in the audience again. So big, big thank you to Ricky Jones. And, and for all of our listeners out there, you, you can know that this is the type of guy that's willing to shepherd and invest in people. He's the kind of guy that's willing to take time out of his busy schedule to re-record an interview all over again when the podcast host has had a technical botch like I did. Uh, and so uh, again, Ricky, thank you so much. He's got a new book out called Too Good to Be True. And he's going to talk all about that. Um, man, uh, Ricky and I got a chance to talk before and after the recording. And there were several things he said that just gripped my heart, really moved me to tears in reminding me of the gospel and how good it truly is. And this is something that I think all believers need to remind themselves of on a regular basis. And so you guys are going to really, really enjoy this interview. So without further ado, my interview with Ricky Jones. And we are on the line with Ricky Jones from the great state of Oklahoma. Ricky, thanks so much for joining us again. How are you feeling today, brother? Man, I feel great. Thank you for, uh, for having me. Well, uh, I'm really glad that you are here with us, man. Uh, as, the, as I mentioned to the audience in the, in the preamble intro, we actually recorded this episode before, and I had a technical difficulty. And uh, I was actually a little bit embarrassed to call it to email you and say, oh, I can't believe I made a technical error or something happened. Uh, was... don't, don't be embarrassed, man. Technology's like that. I, I'm always thankful for second chances. So I'll, I'll take a second swing at anything. I really appreciate it. You're, you're taking a time out. And so uh, we, we talked a little bit off air just a moment ago. And uh, we're, we're going to just dive in. You've got a, a new book out and that, that you've had a chance to distribute quite a few copies across the country. And that's super exciting. And so... I want to just give the time to you. Uh, really, I've got kind of one question and one follow-up question, and that is, you know, what you know, what what's this book about, and and why'd you write it? Thanks, Kenny. Um, you know, the book is about, well, it's about the gospel, the good news of, of Jesus's love for us, and that sounds very generic, and it is generic, but it's something uh, specifically that I think Christians, people who grew up in the church, struggle with. Uh, so this book is. Is very personal to me. It's a lot of my story, but it's a story that's extremely common. You know, I grew up in the church and uh, grew up trying to be good and do good, and uh, yet the the idea, even though I understood the gospel facts, the overwhelming sense that I grew up with was that uh, God was withholding good things from me, and he was always disappointed with me. He was always discouraged. Or, you know, he was just kind of looking at me going, you can be better than this. And what I found was that I was projecting my own attitudes toward myself. I was never as good as I thought I should be. And so I assumed, of course, God feels the same way about me. God is disappointed with me. He is, uh, at best, he is the highway patrolman in the rearview mirror, you know, looking at me, waiting for me to mess up so he can arrest me. Or he is the, uh, the grumpy old man with his arms uh, folded, looking over my shoulder while I do my homework, just kind of making this ah, you know, sound over and over again every time I mess up. And, and I carry that with me a lot. It really deeply affected me, this idea that I wasn't good enough for him, and he was disappointed with me. And it took me years to realize what should be the very first thing we realize that, that God, he's delighted in his children. The reason why he entered into this whole salvation effort, the reason why he uh, has patiently 
put up with the creation and all the sins that humans have committed is because he is delighted by us. He, he loves us. He loves us so much that he gave his son for us. Our value is based not on what we do, but upon what he has spent for us. And he's, he's just crazy about us, you know, and, and we don't know that. We don't hear that. We don't believe that. And, uh, and so I really wanted to write a book that had a lot of illustrations, a very simple uh, book. It's not a scholarly treatise by any stretch of the imagination. It's not hard for anybody to get grasp. Uh, one of my goals was just to use a lot of illustrations to clearly communicate that God is delighted in his children. You know? mm -hmm. So I had a lot of feedback in the writing ep uh, por portion of it. I grew up out in the country in uh, rural West Tennessee, and uh, one of my old friends from high school actually contacted me on Facebook when she heard I was writing a book, and she said, I've only, written, I've only read two books in my life. I've only read one book in my life, and I want Ricky's book to be the second. So, <laughs> so my goal was to write this book that, you know, Chantel Parnell, if you're out there, you inspired me. I wanted to write a book that you would enjoy, and uh, so those are my people, you know, and so I wrote, wrote a book that... Uh, really would kind of reach folks. And it's been interesting. The feedback I've gotten, Kenny, has been really encouraging. Uh, I've had, it's been encouraging and discouraging, actually. Hmm. Um, the discouraging part is that I found that I was right. It's discouraging to know that people who have been in the church for decades still believe God is disappointed in them. Actually, wow. this is a, a, a note I brought it with me. Um, and uh, written by a friend of mine. She's my age. She's in her late forties. Uh, she's never not been in the church. As a, she was born into the church and has never probably never missed two Sundays in a row, and and loves Jesus and and, and believes the gospel. And she says, uh, she said to me, I find myself thinking, uh, and if I'm honest, I do not in any way believe that God is delighted with me. How could He be? I do not believe that I can actually give him pleasure. I know I should believe these things, but I don't even like thinking about them, to be honest. Wow. It's uncomfortable. I feel extremely unworthy, and I find myself still trying to earn his approval. You know, and this is from somebody who should be way beyond that, you know, right. who should find just complete comfort in knowing that, that God is delighted with her and someone who knows theology, you know, and and knows all those things that we try to teach people, and yet she just thinks she has to earn God's approval. And, uh, and, and that's, that is uh, epidemic in our churches. And, and so that's, those are the people I wrote for to try to comfort and try to tell them the truth. Um, I got another email from a friend of mine who's a pastor, who's been a pastor, uh, gosh, what year is it? I know he was ordained in 1997, so he's coming up on 20 years in the ministry. Right. And uh, he wrote me and said he started crying during the last chapter because um, I describe how God will receive us and receives our ministry. And uh, he just realized he didn't believe that and he needed to be encouraged by it. And so this is someone who's been ordained for 20 years who says he's going to read this book every year now for the rest of his life. Come on, man. And so really, so that's really encouraging. And so I'll tell you, I use this illustration at the end. This kind of gives you the sense of the, the book. This is kind of my summary illustration. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, so to kind of lay the story for you, the 
what I'm trying to illustrate is how is God going to sum up our life? How is he going to view our ministry, our life? When we face him on the judgment day, what's that going to be like? And so to illustrate, I told a story about when I was a kid, and I was about, I don't know, fourth grade, fifth grade, somewhere in there. I was the youngest in my family. And so everybody else in the family, you know, is far beyond the kind of crafts and the drawings for Christmas presents. They gave mom real presents, right? And so this is the year I was going to give my mom a real present. No, no more pictures for me. Uh, but there's a few problems, Kenny. You know, if a fifth grader wants to give his mom a present, he's got no money. He's got no car. He has no idea what his mom wants. Uh, probably doesn't know how to wrap a present. I mean, you know, he's just lost, right? Right. And so I'm kind of sitting around, moping around the house. My mom says, what's wrong? You know, and I said, I said, oh, I just don't have any money for Christmas presents and kind of pouted a little bit. <laughs> and so she figured out what's going on, you know. And there was a, a tree that had fallen down in our front yard, a bunch of sticks. It's supposed to be my job to move them, but I hadn't. And she said, well, you know, I'd pay somebody $10 if they would move all those sticks. And so I was like, oh, wow, here's my chance, you know. So I went out and did the job I was supposed to do anyway. Uh, and, uh, and she paid me $10. And then that evening she said, you know, I think I'd like to go do a little Christmas shopping. Would you want to ride with me? And I said, yeah, yeah. And we got in the car and drove off. And I remember we, I remember it was at Kmart. I remember this so well. And so we drove up to Kmart and, and she mentioned in the parking lot, she said, you know, I, I read where they're selling these necklaces for $9 in there and they'll even engrave them for free. I sure would love to have one of those necklaces. I wonder if anybody will get me one. You know, so I ran back into the store and I got the necklace and bought it and put it in the bag and hid it, you know, kind of in my coat. And we, we went back home and I ran off into my bedroom and I, I got this huge box. It was way too big for it. It's the only box I could find. And I tried to wrap it and that's when I realized I didn't know how to wrap a present. And so I, I had to, I wrote on the top of the box, real pathetic, you know, Ricky can't wrap. <laughs> And I brought it to my mom and said, well, you wrap this, but, but don't look at what's in it. So she wrapped it, and I went and put it under the tree. And Christmas finally came, and I went and got that present. And I put in her lap this present that she had paid for, picked out, and wrapped. And she unwrapped it and, and put that necklace on and gave me this huge hug and said, thank you so much. And that's, you know, that's what we have to look forward to. If you're a believer, honestly, nothing you've ever done has added a single thing to God. Mm. If he had wanted something done perfectly, he would have done it himself. That's right. That's right. And he's going to bring every one of your, you're going to bring every one of your good works, all the stuff that he paid for with the blood of his son, all the stuff that he uh, told you to do that you're supposed to do anyway. Uh, every he says every single thing you do with even a, a good intention, even if you just give a glass of water to a child in my name, I'm going to reward you for it. He's going to give us a huge hug and he's going to say thank you so much. And that's that's the truth of what we have to look forward to. And there's no fear in looking forward to seeing God. Nothing but a, a spiral of joy. I describe it, and and I want people to believe that. I want ministers to believe that. I want drug addicts to believe that. You know, Kenny, I was sharing with you before we started recording. Uh, one of my former students who got tangled up with, with addiction, he, uh, he wrote me yesterday and he said uh, he's now the, in, in healing from his addiction and overcoming it, he started a chapter, Celebrate Recovery, 
a ministry I'm sure you're familiar with. I love yeah, Celebrate yeah. Recovery. It's great. And uh, he wants he, he read my book, and he wants to give a free copy to everybody in his chapter. And so I'm going to send them to him, of course, so he can do that. But he said, I think this would be a great book for uh, people who grew up in the church and struggle with addiction because they just feel so much guilt. They feel like God couldn't possibly love them. And that's who the book's for. It's for people who struggle with guilt, who just don't think they're good enough, uh, whether it be ministers or drug addicts uh, who grew up in the church or moms who um, who just are overwhelmed with their own perfection and, and feel like they're falling short of their perfectionism every day. And uh, I hope it's comforting for folks. I, I want them to feel that delight of knowing how delighted God is in them. And uh, so that's why I wrote it. I call it too good to be true because I think for most of us, the gospel is too good to be true. Come on. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a terrible title. And, you know, <laughs> if, you, if you look up too good to be true on Amazon, you're going to see a bunch of teenage, uh, you know, I fell in love with a vampire type books. It's awful. Uh, but if you look it up far enough, you'll find mine. Look, you know, look up too good to be true by Ricky Jones. It's not a, it's not a teenage romance book. It's a it's a book about the gospel, which is a lot better. So, I, uh, man, I by the way, I love that story about your mom. I think that's so great. It was your mom, right? That when you were that's my mom, yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's I think that's a great. I think it's a, I think it's funny. It's cute. It's heartwarming. Um, and and it's, and it's it feels good in the moment to think about your mother doing that. And then and then I really try to impute that to who God is and think to myself. As lovely as your mom probably is, I have never met the woman. Sounds like a great woman. She's a mess. She's great. She's a great mess. Um, but but the reality is, if we compare her to who God is, His love for us is even more extravagant oh, than that. Man. Yeah. And if if I think to myself, if 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 God is like your mom in that moment, God is pretty awesome. But the reality is, God is even way more awesome than that, and His love His love for us is even even grander than that. And his the the depth or the the length he's willing to go to demonstrate his love is even grander than what your mom did. In yeah, that absolutely. And I, and what your mom did was pretty awesome and pretty great. Yeah. But it still doesn't compare to what God is, and that it just does. It just seems too good to be true. Like that. <laughs> it really does. When I think about the gospel, the word I think of is actually insane. Like, and I don't mean to be blasphemous or, or speak disrespectfully, and I apologize if that offends any listeners. I don't. I'm not trying to talk about the Lord that He actually is insane. No, it's, but it, it feels insane that the Lord. It, it would, is. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. That's why Paul calls it foolishness in in First Corinthians. It is absolutely foolish to think that we have sinned against God, and He has paid the price with His own Son for our sinning against Him. It's crazy. Yep. It's absolutely nuts. If you don't think it's absolutely nuts, you don't get it. Um, you know, Paul said it was foolishness. It is foolishness. It's it's incomprehensible to anybody who's not been uh, had their eyes opened by the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's right. I mean, that's the that's the perfect way to describe it, Kenny. It's insane. We have we've been loved with an insane love um, that really there's just there's just no humid image that even comes close to how much he loves us. So um, that's why I called it too good to be true. And I, like I said, I think it's encouraging a lot of people. I hope it encourages a lot more. Hey, and if any of your listeners want to give copies out, uh, you know, you can buy them for $9 at Amazon on Amazon. But if you want to give, you know, a hundred, 200 copies out, if you want to buy more than 10 is what I ask, 
If you want more than 10 copies, have them contact me directly through the Facebook page. And I think you're going to link that. Yep. Um, and I'll be glad to uh, tell them how to order uh, order in bulk. I want to, you know, I'm not trying to make money off this. And uh, I just want to get the message out there. So Yeah, we will definitely have a link uh, in the show notes. Uh, and at the end of this episode, I will give clear instructions to everyone as to how they can uh, both get uh, get some free copies that I'm giving away as well as uh, be able to buy them in bulk from you. Hey, Ricky, you, you said a couple of things I want to ask you about. I know I told you this was a one-question interview. I apologize. I lied. Yeah, no, I love answering questions. I'll go all day. Uh, okay, something you said a moment ago, you really and this it really struck me, is that you said there's so many people, you particularly talk about the guy who was um, a pastor for, who's been ordained 20 years, and, you know, the woman who knows theology, who knows, it's like, we, we we should ought to know better almost. It almost feels that way. Mm-hmm. Why? And I think, and I'm, and I'm in the same boat. I'm just as guilty of that. I'm going like, I, I, I hear you talk. I read portions of your book. I hear sermons that are similar. And I go, I feel like I ought to know that. I've been in, I mean, I'm 34. I've been a youth pastor. I've been in ministry for, you know, more than a decade. I, I ought to know better. Why don't I? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. What is it that, that causes us to do what you were saying earlier when you were talking about how you had kind of transferred like, uh, to God what you felt about yourself. Like you felt like, man, I should be better than I am. Well, surely mm-hmm. God feels the same way. But when you really look at who God is and you recognize his character, that's actually not how he feels. What? Why do we do that? Why do we fall into that trap of kind of thinking that God thinks of us the way we think about ourselves? Well, it, that's a great, that is the question, isn't it? It really is the question. And uh, we are always trying to go backwards. And we want so badly to find something about ourselves that is worthwhile so that we can earn love. And, and true love is, is never earned. It's just never earned. Um, and this is, it, it just goes back. What I mean is this. Um, my wife was telling me yesterday or last week, and this is a weird sentence, but she said, you know, I just don't think anybody ever really loves their husband until they recognize that he's an SOB. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, that's not the most complimentary thing that's ever come out of your mouth. What do you mean? You know, and she says, you know, as long as you have this idealistic image of him, you don't really love him. You just admire him and you're thankful that you have him. But when you really see that he's a failure, that he's a sinner, then you love him. And um, because before then, you're, it's just kind of a selfish thing. And, and in the same way, I don't think you really feel loved by anybody until you recognize that you don't deserve it. Mm. You know, I was mad at my wife for years because I didn't think she gave me the, the respect I deserved. And then when someone, a, a pastor, confronted me with my own sin... I told him, I don't think I get the respect I deserve. And he laughed and he said, he literally laughed. It wasn't like a planned thing. Like he laughed in my face. And he said, you're lucky she hasn't left you. And that, I, all of a sudden I realized, okay, love is undeserved. Hmm. We don't like that, you know? And and, and so we just, it, it, that is so just absolutely counterintuitive that love is undeserved. And so every day, we just, we're, we're trying to do something to earn it. And so that's the truth. God, you know, I have to ask people this question all the time. I say, um, is God disappointed with you? Does God love you less when you sin? 
and you'll see their wheels turned in their minds, you know, because they know the answer is supposed to be, no, God never loves me less, but they believe that he does. Right. We, that's what we feel. That's what we feel. You know, and I take them to Ephesians 2. I say, so when did God start loving you? It says here, he loved because of the great love with which he loved you when you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Can you ever be worse than dead? <laughs> That's right. No, I don't, I don't think you can, you know. But it's so counterintuitive. Yeah. And it's his love that gives us value and his love that, that makes us alive and his love that produces the good works that we walk in. And it's just not the other way around. And, you know, I'm not really answering your question. I'm just kind of amplifying it. I don't know why it's so hard. We just have to be reminded of the truth. I think that's, you know, that's our job security, Kenny. Uh, you know, I'm, I know that I'm never going to run out of people to remind of God's grace because they're going to forget the second I stop talking about it, mm. you know. And that's, uh, you know, I think that's, a lot of why, you know, in Revelation 3, we were told to remember the love with which we, uh, the love that we had at first, our first love, remember how much God loves you. Uh, and that's what keeps us from growing cold in that love. And and so, uh, you know, it's, it's just the human predicament. It's the human desire for independence that we, we want to earn it. And there's, uh, and you can't earn love. By definition, you cannot earn love. Man. So. So I'm reminded, but yet again, that uh, that there is no reason for God to love me other than He oh. just chose to. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's as, so good. As, it's just so good. As much as I want to, you're right. I, I want I want to wake up and do something. I want to go to bed tonight, put my head on the pillow, knowing I did something, and God loves me because of that. But that's not going to happen. Well, well, and the but the beautiful thing is this. The beautiful thing is this. You you are doing good things today. And God is delighted, and you're screwing them up. Like you're you're not doing them very well. And He is so that, that's the beauty, the, the overwhelming thing to me about this, you know, this text in the Gospels. I don't remember verses real well, but where Jesus says, uh, you know, even a, a glass of water given to a child in my name, I'll reward in heaven. Yeah. I mean, He is just delighted that you would do anything. So I, I in, in the book I describe that too. You know, I, I describe when you're a when you're a parent, I would me, Bianca and I would come back from uh, dates, right? And we would tell before I before we'd leave, I'd tell the kids, you know, I need to come back and find the kitchen clean. You know, I want I don't want your mom to come in here and feel like she has to start working the second she gets in. So please pick up the kitchen. So the kids, what do they do? They wipe all the crumbs off the table onto the floor. They put dishes into the dishwasher without cleaning them all essentially they made the kitchen dirtier you know they earlier if they hadn't done anything all we would have had to have done was wipe the table the correct way and throw the crumbs away but now we got to sweep and mop the floor you know if they hadn't done anything all we would have had to do is rinse the plates off and put them in the dishwasher now we got to take all the plates out of the dishwasher rinse them off get all the food out of the bottom of the dishwasher that they dumped in there they made it harder for us they made work for us <laughs> And so what do we do? We hug them and we say, thank you for cleaning the kitchen because we love our kids and we're proud of them for trying. And that's how the Lord, I mean, I, it's a joke that I'm in the ministry. I mean, I'm a mess. I, I, I compare myself to Inspector Clouseau in Pink Panther movies. You know, I just stumble and bumble around and 
fall into the lap of grace and 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 I write terrible sermons and I lose my temper with people and I, I do all kinds of terrible things. And yet at the end of every day, God is smiling at me going, I'm so proud of you. Thank you for trying today. Mm. You know, I want, I feel like ministers deal with guilt the most. And I, I want them to read this book. It's simple, easy. It takes an hour and 20 minutes to read it. Um, and, or maybe, maybe two hours. If you're like me, you're a turtle at reading pace, but I really, I want it to be an easy read that just makes people go, wow, the Lord does love me. And uh, so that's it. That's uh, that's the gospel. It is too good to be true. God does something that, from a human perspective, seems, seems insane and absurd and ridiculous. And he does it not for a reason that makes sense, but just because he is a God of deep love. And he, he desires for you to experience his love. He delights in you experiencing his love for you. Ricky, thank you for reminding us of that today, man. That is a profound, profound truth. Simple. It's so simple. We can say it in a matter of a sentence. And yet I feel like you go a lifetime and still not get it. You live your whole life trying to get it. That's exactly right. Uh, if anyone else is listening to this that would like to connect with you, is there any, I will, we'll have the link to the Facebook group um, sure. where they can get a copy of the book. Uh, um, but if someone wants to maybe like, I don't know, Twitter, Facebook, or is there any yeah, website, I'm, whatever, someone wants to reach out to you? I would love that. Uh, I'm Rev Ricky Dean, R-E-V Ricky Dean at, uh, on Twitter, and I'm on Facebook, just Ricky Jones, and I'm, I'm pretty findable. So my sermons are all up on uh, sermonaudio.com, Ricky Jones at River Oaks Presbyterian Church. I would love to hear from anybody that uh, wants to reach out. Praise the Lord, man. Mr. Jones, I have loved, loved, loved connecting with you on multiple occasions, and I am really excited. Thank you for investing in, in the audience today. Thanks so much for letting me. I hope to speak to you again soon. And there you have it, my interview with Ricky Jones, reminding us that the gospel seems to us too good to be true, and yet it is true that God desperately loves you. He thinks about you with great thoughts. He was willing to do whatever it takes uh, to to invite you in and have you uh, enjoy fellowship with himself. God is good and he loves you. He delights in you. He's crazy about you. And and Ricky, I think, just did a phenomenal job of reminding us of that as as insane as it absurd it seems to my in to my finite human mind the infinite god of the universe has declared it to be true therefore we can trust that it is indeed true i want to highly encourage every person out there uh to get a copy of the book if you want to support ricky uh, head on over to amazon uh, we'll have a link uh, we'll have a link in the uh, in the show notes for this episode, so you can head over to our website, theologyfortherestofus.com, look at the show notes for episode 178, click on the link, it'll take you over to the Amazon page where you can get a click, where you can uh, or you can purchase it there, or uh, you can click on the Facebook link, the Facebook group that Ricky mentioned, and we'll have uh, a link there in the show notes that'll take you over there. And then if you are a church group leader of any kind, I want to highly, highly encourage you to seriously consider maybe buying buying a bulk order. It, the book really is worth your time, and so uh, maybe you can do a bulk order and you can uh, connect with Ricky. My recommendation would be connect with him on Facebook. He'll be able to get you the you know the the best pricing uh, for bulk ordering. And then one last thing I want to do before I let you go is I want to make an offer. 
This is literally going to be first come, first serve. I actually have personally purchased uh, two copies of the book myself that I own sitting on my desk, just read a copy, one of them, and I want to give them away. And so anyone listening to this, if you want a copy of... Uh, if you want a copy of Ricky's book, again, this is me first come first serve. I want you to head over to my uh, head over to my Twitter account, which is at Kenneth Ortiz. It's K E N N E T H O R T I Z. It's at Kenneth Ortiz. Head over to Twitter, follow me on Twitter, and then tweet at me and just say, "Hey, Kenny, I want a free copy of Ricky's book." Just send that quick tweet, and and I will send out the again first come first serve. The very the very uh, first two people to tweet at me will uh, will get. We'll get the free copies of the book. Too good to be true. And then for everyone else, highly encourage you, head on over, purchase a copy of it. Pastors, purchase them in bulk. Support Ricky. Also, you can look up Ricky uh, on Sermon Audio. We'll have the link to that in the show notes as well. You can check out some of his other sermons. Well, well worth checking out. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I am so grateful for this audience. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I mean it wholeheartedly. Thank you so much. If you have a question or topic that you'd like me to address on the show, I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. Or if you know someone that you think would make a great interview guest, I'd also love to hear from you. Shoot me an email. The best email address is heyortiz.com at TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. That's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. Hey, if you're a big fan of podcasting, check out my other podcast, the Student Ministry Podcast. You can find it on the web, StudentMinistryPodcast.com. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us. Theology for the Rest of Us.